Howdy, this is Grant Cole in Houston. This is Rick Collins in Dallas. And I'm Dustin Zare in Austin. Thanks for joining Texas Rugby Monthly. Texas rugby fans in a world plagued by terrible rugby podcasts. You turn to us every single month for absolutely fantastic, cutting edge. Oh, maybe are we part of those terrible podcasts as well? I don't know, but this is Texas Rugby Monthly. We probably this, are. We probably are. This right here is episode 12, the one year anniversary of the three gentlemen from austin dallas and houston getting together to talk rugby to talk mlr to talk high school to talk whatever we want to talk about sometimes we don't even know what we're going to talk about that's not this episode we've got lots of stuff to talk about because well we're recording this on september 9th when we should have recorded this two weeks ago but due to technical difficulties and well a variety of different things and, and honey do lists because you know you got to make sure you keep those in line we're recording it today thursday september 9th lots of information to go around rick collins is up in dallas on the campus of smu with a loud background and terrible internet connection rick welcome to the show grant cole over in houston getting ready to eat some delicious delicious shepherd's pie maybe later tonight oh we'll see i don't know we'll find out more stay tuned i'm dustin zare down in austin texas rugby monthly we're here one year gentlemen can you believe that it's, it's been an incredible believe. year despite the pandemic wait we had a pandemic what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pandemic. Yes, yeah. I remember I, I went back. I went I went back and watched episode one, right? I was saying, okay, let's go watch episode one and what we were trying to do. It reminded me to mute Rick in the background for a minute there while everybody yells, uh, maybe rugby practice. Episode one, we got together, we said, Hey, here's what we're gonna talk about. Um, we're gonna talk about high school rugby, college rugby, professional rugby. We'll talk about the Austin Gill Gronies, the Houston Saber Cats, and the Dallas Jackals, and then we didn't get to talk about the Jackals for a while. And that kind of that was kind of fun, uh, but we do our best to bring you the listener, the watcher, wherever you're following. Great interviews, which you'll see on this podcast, which was recorded a, a week or two ago. Um, but you're also going to get some more information about what's going on in each one of our cities. Let's kick it off with a man with the terrible internet connection and the loud people in the background. Rick, the Dallas Jackals, you've actually had some things going on in Dallas the past couple of weeks. What's happening up there? It's been actually pretty exciting. So um, obviously it led off with the draft and getting uh, uh, five players, uh, unlike we did last year, of, of getting it started, right? But last year we actually had a coach. <laughs> uh, right now, um, we are still starting in that department. We have some coaches uh, that are on payroll currently. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the situation will be with them if we bring in a new head coach. Are they going to be out? Uh, but they're carrying the load while we wait. And then uh, we also have um, the announcement of uh, Jack 
over the course of the last year as being the mascot. And so he's going out to different events. Is he, uh, he going to coach the team? The <laughs> no. I, <laughs> uh, and I've understood that uh, there is not an actual Jack. That it is a costume that is sent around, and there are different people wearing so, uh, so, so you're saying there's still a chance out. for you. There, you're, 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 there's still a chance for Rick Collins. <laughs> My resume is still over there. Although I think they probably burned it at this, at this point. Um, so one thing that I would say is that, um, you know, despite not having a coach, um, Alain Bassi has kept things going extremely well. And, um, you know, under her leadership, uh, we got five new players and two more announced. Uh, all the teams had to make, I believe, at least three players available to the Jackals um, in the last month and a half. Yeah. Uh, and so we're starting to get the announcements of those players that were made available. Uh, the first one was for the ACL, my, um, my Prato. I'm probably butchering that. Yeah. Uh, from the U.S. I <laughs> the shorter uh, um, I think he's expected to play off, but it, it Looking at what they did last year, was they were going to play on King Clark and Bronson Tellus, who were shorter walk by players at Flanker. Yeah. I think the expectation is that, uh, you know, he's, he's made a possibility there. He did play at the University of Notre Dame. So, he's simply in as a walk. And then uh, just in that morning with Bronson Tellus coming back. Sorry, Grant. Um, but uh, we're excited to have him back uh, in the Tellus family along with him. Yeah, that's and, and I'm happy. I'm happy for Bronson. I mean, that's he's kind of the jackal so far. Yeah, Bronson is a solid six, and uh, you know that'll be a good thing to have on that uh, that weak side of the scrum coming in from for, for jackals. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, and, it'll be interesting you know, to I, see who you guys pick up from each of the other teams too. I, you know, because, you know, a lot of these, you know, we, we talk about it, you know, a lot of the different um, uh, rules and behind the scenes of MLR, you know, who gets, you know, who's, who's kept and who's open free agency and things like that. It's not as well known as say major league baseball or, you know, other entities. Yeah. That there's are, no transparency here no, yet. Not yet. No, you, I would like to see that. I'd like to see like, you know, from, you know, from Austin, Hey, who's, who's already signed for next year. Who's waiting on contracts. Like we talked with uh, Connor Mooneyham and he said, I'm working on my con my contract extension. So that's great. Uh, from what I understand right. it is done. So that's, that's awesome. Sorry guys. <laughs> uh, I know. Right. I know you're trying, but uh, you know, but there, but there's a whole slew of players that uh, for each team that are probably quality level. That's going to, that the Jackals are going to pick up and be able to bring in for the, for the 2020 well, season. I think you're going to see more as, um, you know, coaching staff change. I know with Houston uh, bringing in a new coach, you know, there could be some, some changes there in terms of the roster. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, you know, there's going to be opportunities for players to move down there with HDX and, yeah. um, you know, younger guys to play at that level and work their way into, um, you know, the good graces of the new coaching staff. But, you know, New England's got a new coaching staff. Uh, we don't know what else could be shaken up, right, in the next six months or so. Yeah. So I, I think there's going to be opportunities for the Jackals to find the players. But um, I, I think the biggest problem right now is without a head 
coach. You know, it, it's basically what Elaine is is selling these players on. But if they can bring in that big name coach. And right there, we lost Rick Collins's audio and video feed. He's just staring at the camera, just kind of looking at it. So we'll when when and if Rick returns. <laughs> I don't know. If, don't know if you can hear us right now or not, but when he returns, we'll catch up with other things that are going on in Dallas rugby. So uh <laughs> uh the joys oh, of poor technology. Rick. Poor, poor Rick. Perhaps for Perhaps we should break the news to Rick now while he's frozen. <laughs> no, we'll we'll we'll, get, we'll continue on. We'll, we'll we'll save that for later. Okay. Let's save it. Okay. Uh, grand finale. What do you so, what do you what's going on in Austin there? Yeah, you know, big Austin. Guy? Austin's had kind. Of, it's been. You know, we talk about you know the draft happened, and which is whoa, 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 great. Whoa, 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 don't you don't you don't you hold on hold on. The draft happened. We'll, I want to talk about that. Um, sevens rugby. And we had a signing already this season, but I wanted, I did, I want to start with sevens rugby. Cause I think that, um, this was an interesting year for sevens rugby, like, you know, because of the qualifiers and things being, you know, everybody just trying to like bid to get into that, that national championship. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was a little unique. And I think, you know, with the Huns got in and the Reds got in, which I'm sure that Rick was going to talk about. Um, you know, no, he wasn't going to talk about the Reds. Well, he, he, he would talk, he would talk about <laughs> that it. From was a not seven, a good, he would talk about it from a seven not, standpoint. No, no, that was not a good weekend for the Reds. Well, I mean, he, he'd have to talk about it, but yeah, the Reds, uh, honestly, if you watch the seven, they did not perform at all. Like it was, yeah, it was bad. Um, they, but, I mean, they played connected all through the season and then that weekend they just weren't there. They were like, I mean, they, oh. they're, they're, like they had never played with each other before. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, talking to Dylan Carey and after he was injured and his injury was pretty serious, nasty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he intimated the same to me that, you know, we're just not together today. Yeah. We're, we're not, we're not connected today. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, go ahead. So, Austin. Yeah, so, yeah. So Austin, you know, as, as we got a nice black screen for, for Rick there, maybe he'll come back in. Uh, I'll make sure I mute him when he does. Uh, yeah. So the, the Huns, um, they, they really had a great, they, I think they had a great sevens tournament. Um, they finished it fifth overall, which is, which is pretty phenomenal. Um, you know, they, the, the scores from the net, from the matches, they lost to the first match to Chicago lions, 12 to seven, which, you know, Grant, you and I kind of touched base upon beforehand. They really just, they left some tries on the pitch. They, 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 knew, beat it. Chicago. they knew it. Yeah. They, it was tough. Um, they took on whack. They beat whack 1910. They went back and played Oceanside and absolutely dumped Oceanside 38, 12. Um, that, that was, it was, it was a good match. And then they went into, you know, the last, last day and took on uh, West side Ronins and unfortunately lost that first round, first match to West side, which, uh, you know, it was, I, I don't know what it was about that match, but it, you know, I just think that uh, Ronin showed up and I think the Huns just kind of, they, they didn't link up as well as they probably had been in some of the other matches. Um, and, and so they unfortunately, bounced back. yeah, they bounced back quick, took out old blue 29, 17, and then took on life West and won 12, five to, to play and life West was, you know, with all the commentators and everybody who was up in the booth at that game, we all thought that life West would win that game. Yeah. Exactly. I was the only one. I was the only one that put, you know, 
I, I put the Huns down, of course. Yeah. But everybody else thought, you know, Life West has been playing so well today. Stanfield's been on the money. Yeah. And I tell you what, Brandon shut Tim Stanfield down in that game. Yeah, exactly. And and, and Tim was he was frustrated about it. But that was, I mean, the Huns really played. They pushed above their weight in that last game. They absolutely. And that's why did. they won. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely <laughs> think that they did. I, you know, I've, and again, that was, it, it was, it was big for them. Um, it was, it was big to have them come back in. Hey, let's bring Rick Collins back in. Uh, speaking of bringing people <laughs> back in, uh, Rick Collins, welcome to the show. Nice to see you. Uh, welcome back. <laughs> He's still frozen. He's still frozen. <laughs> You know, we're just going to call him Elsa now. Yeah. Oh, Elsa. <laughs> uh, there you go. Rick Collins, frozen once again, uh, for those of you listening. Uh, came back in on video, so you can see him on video, but he's not going anywhere. Uh, but, yeah, so Hun's fifth fifth best. And, you know, you talk about it. That national championship, you know, for, for the final was Chicago Lions and Westside Ronins. So, basically, both the Huns lost to the, yep. you know, the first and the second place teams. teams. In the final. Yeah. And so I, I I couldn't be happier for the Huns. They put they put together a fantastic performance. They had a great seven season, really picking back on you know what Adam's been doing there with the Huns the past couple of seasons. Just overall, um, I yes. you know, I've, yeah. I've seen it a lot. The growth that they've had since two thousand well five whatever five years so two thousand sixteen. You know from from what I can see, uh, I think Adam. Adam's done a fan in that coaching staff. It's not just Adam, it's everybody else too, but they've done a really great job. So congrats to the Huns uh, on a great season. Look forward to seeing, you know, this, this season one for or this, uh, this D one season coming up, but I think it's going to be hotly contested. Um, I think, you know, Huns blacks, you know, with rugby HDX competing as well, you know, uh, Dallas with the Quins being tied in with the Jackals and stuff. I think it's going to be, fascinating to see how people interact and how people play against each other and the overall play of that club level is just getting better and better. Um, I already know that there are quite a few people who are kind of uh, talking to it within the Huns and <laughs> uh, sorry, Rick just messaged and said the phone is too hot. It won't let me get a connection, uh, which I find absolutely hilarious. <laughs> that's why you don't podcast outside. Uh, yep, that's why. That's why you don't go outside. So, um, but yeah, I think it's 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 going to be interesting to see. Like I said, they've been talking to people who were in the draft or who had, were draft eligible, saying, "Hey, come down to Austin. Let's see if we can find you jobs." Like you know, the Austin's job, the Huns job board, which is a great resource for local people there's a bunch of people saying i want to move to austin i want to be close to mlr and i think we've talked about this before same things probably happening in houston and in dallas as well um but i think it's going to be a great opportunity for them to to really to move forward with uh with the growth of the sport here in austin uh speaking of growth of the sport we had the draft and i thought that that was pretty pretty big for the mlr to have a, a good solid and the draft looked great Right, the broadcast was done perfectly. Like I thought, just high quality all around on Fox Sports for the first round, and then over Rugby Network for the next two, which was good. Uh, Austin had three picks. Uh, they took um, basically they took a um, how they took a winger, they took a blindside flanker, and they took a hooker. Um, so Caleb Strum out of University of Alabama, uh, who's a six three one hundred ninety pound winger, um, lightning quick, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, and I could be, I believe he was playing with the Huns this summer in sevens. If I'm not mistaken, I thought that he, I thought I saw his name, but I might, I might be wrong. Or he was playing at the national sevens with somebody else. Casey Fleck. No, I think I'm thinking of Casey Fleck. I'm sorry about that. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Caleb Storm was playing, but he was playing with a team from Virginia, if I remember correctly. Yeah. 
So, Nova. No, that's what it was, Nova. So he was playing, he just wasn't with there. But now he's coming down here, so that'd be interesting to see. Um, their 20th pick was Asa Carter, uh, who was a Arkansas State, you know, Arkansas State year after year, they they tend to pump out some really good rugby players. He's a blindside flanker. Uh, he's a big dude. Uh, from what I've seen, different reports on him, apparently in the past year or two, like he bulked up big time. Um, I think it was gentleman from utah like one of the performance guys at utah said that he knew him and he said yeah this guy really just put put the workload in this year for arkansas state so be good to see what, what he does and then brandon aspel uh who is from davenport university i uh, was another hooker and you know last year austin took a hooker and was pretty successful with uh selecting a hooker with their with their second pick of the draft so uh we'll, we'll see what happens um there's a lot of competition at hooker but as we all know forwards like with injuries like we had injuries last year for austin and you know we had to you know at, at sometimes you know we, we called on brendan rams to say hey rams you got to be ready come down and play and yeah. he was ready ramsey's always ready he's always ready it don't <laughs> matter but you know i think overall that's you know three three good picks i can be honest like i try to do some research on the guys it's pretty hard to find um don't know a whole lot about all of them um i know that with you know uh, with Dave, you know, uh, going there and going to the high performance camp or the high performance camp or basically the uh, combine that they had in the, in the, was it uh, Connecticut? Was that where it was? That uh, the combine for everybody? Yeah, it was in yeah, it was Connecticut. Connecticut. But, you know, so that was interesting. I think maybe next year it would be good to have more than just one and have it around the country. Cause I don't know if all the, all the college guys could get up there to, to Connecticut that needed to get up there. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, so that's what I got for at least our draft picks for Austin. Uh, in other Austin news, um, we had a signing already, which was kind of surprising for a lot of people. Big signing. A big, big signing. Big signing, yeah. And so, you know, uh, for those that will watch the, uh, the USA-Canada match from last week, uh, for all of our American fans, please don't go watch that because it was a terrible performance. Uh, <laughs> um, we signed uh, Marcel Brocky. And you're talking about somebody who's got, you know, Western force. He's been playing, you know, top-level rugby for a while, and he can play – Kind of all over the back line. In norm, like last yeah. week, he, last week he lined 13, up. Ne- 15. Yeah, thirteen to fifteen. Last week he lined up right next to Bryce, and you had a nice combination of uh, Will McGee playing ten, Bryce at twelve, and and Brocky at thirteen. Um, and I think you know it, it shows the opportunity. But I think this week uh, he's actually lining up at fifteen, and Will's moving to the bench um, with with uh, McGinty coming back in at uh, at ten. So that'll be interesting to see what happens there. But I mean, really, we're talking, you know, 58 super rugby appearances. You know, he's been around for a while. USA Eagle. Uh, it, it's good to have yeah. that. It's, uh, it's going to be, I'm pretty excited that uh, that he's coming on the team. It's going to be a good opportunity for us to show off what, you know, uh, I guess what he can do. Because some people may have not have ever seen him play um, outside of USA Eagles. Like if they're, you know, they may not realize like, hey, I'm watching, you know, an Eagle there if they're not paying att- close attention to it. So, that's just my my thought on that. So, and in in the world of Austin rugby, those are kind of the main things that happened in in the month of August leading up to September. Uh, you know, it's it's a quiet time. You know, the draft was big. We ended the season. That's yeah. You know, season tickets for next year have gone on sale. I know that they're they're doing some things at uh, UT football games at tailgating. So they've got all that going on. So that's pretty exciting too. Grant, what's happening what? in Houston? Well, what has happened? Um, 
you know, a rugby lot. HTX took, took a team to, uh, to club sevens and we won the silver cup. Here's the medal. There you go, buddy. There you they go. have to, they have to mail us the cup because they, uh, the cup was, was labeled wrong. Oh my gosh. So, but yeah, this is, we got, we got our medals. So, um, my dog is, oh, by the way, in the background, <laughs> Oh, he's in real trouble now. I know that tone of voice. Don't do that. Um, uh, and then, you know, came back from that and, uh, you know, they played, they played the, the Sabercats team that played at rugby town, played pretty good, pretty decent edge. Um, saw some pretty big names on there. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you that uh, Taviti uh, Lopetti was our first draft pick until uh, because we thought that the uh, the Jackals would take Emmanuel. Yeah, Al- Albert. Yeah, and when they when they didn't take Albert, you know that was a, it was a no brainer. Yeah, he was second on our list, and you know yeah. you, you just you take him because he's not going to stay there. He's not going to stay in the draft after the second after second pick. Yeah. Um, and then with him and Minche and, uh, and Dylan Shotwell, um, we've got two good, you know, back rows that have coming out, come out of Lindenwood, a program that is probably as close to, you know, varsity and professional as we have in America and, and, and including Cal. Yeah. But you know, the Cal players, they come out of Cal and they've got, you know, 60, thousand dollar jobs or three figure jobs waiting for them you know why go to rugby you know it's just not something they're going to do but coming out of lindenwood you know that's that's a different story yeah so um you know it's really good to see those two they're going to be in the back back row of course and then shot well we've been trying to get him on the rugby hdx uh boards for a few years but he's been in college and finishing that up so we're really excited to have those two uh, then, you know, after that, after that, you know, of course, between the sevens or right, right as the sevens and then between the sevens and there we had uh, Heineke Meyer announced as our director of rugby. That's a, that's a bit, that's a big announcement. That was, that yeah. was huge. Like, yeah, really huge. And, and yeah. And, and then, I mean, it shook, it shook the, uh, it shook the U.S. rugby world. Um, you know, one of his protégés is going to be coaching at Free Jacks this year. They yep. just announced that yesterday. Um, we've got Vic Meyer coming in. They haven't announced this yet, but Vic's just following his dad around. Vic Meyer's coming in as basically our technical to help us out with Rugby HTX because we're going to more closely integrate the two teams. And then, of course, this week, uh, what the Uman is has been uh, announced as our coach. Potes, as we call him. Yep. Uh, is a... Uh, and he's, you know, he's no slouch of a coach himself. <laughs> no, not at all. So, you know, I mean, he's, he's had some, he's had some good seasons with the, with the blue bulls and uh, especially with the, the, the uh, must say this wrong and I'm sorry, everybody, the swimless, the swim, swimless, um, you know, in the varsity cup, Yeah. which uh, varsity cup, I can tell you right now from watching it, that's tougher than any D one rugby in the USA. Yeah, that's a that's a harder, faster game than any D one rugby or in the USA, and it's harder and faster D one A college too. So yeah, even though it's considered a college event, it's, that it's, is that next. It's the weeding ground out for the ones who are you know who can handle the grind and who can't handle the grind. Yeah, 
for sure. And so moving on from that, um, uh, <laughs> rugby HTX has a nine rugby weekend week, uh, fall schedule already. Yeah. Um, six, six, uh, five games in a row, then a tournament, then a game, then Thanksgiving, then three games in a row. And uh, got another got another nine scheduled in the spring, and looking to schedule four more. So we're going to put these boys through the paces. The, the ringer is what I was going to say. Yeah, well, <laughs> but I mean, and if you've you've read uh, uh, H's books or any article interviews with him, you know that he's got a high standard, yeah. and that standard you know <laughs> got to be uh, adhered to, and you don't get to that high standard by standing still. Yeah. And so you've got to learn how to how to treat your body and do all those things and, and get in there. One of the things I really like is uh, there's a draftee that was told this week by his team that he's not getting contracted. What? And he called me up, and now he's 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 uh, planning on coming down here and playing with us. That's. <laughs> I thought, I, thought, I thought the teams were obligated to sign the draftees. No, uh, no, no. I thought there was an obligation no, with, not, with this. No, it's an obligation to visit it. Mm. To, to, to Why would do you draft somebody if you're not going to sign them? Like, I, I don't know the answer to that. It, it, you know, and it doesn't matter. I got another scrum half, and uh, he nice. was. Uh, I, I, I love that you said scrum half. So. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I got another scrum half down here. So, and that's. You know, and that that's what we want. We want these boys to come in hungry, uh, perform, get up to speed, and put pressure on the cats. Yeah. Saying, guys, sure. we're here. We're gonna we wanna take your spot or we wanna be able to step up and you get hurt. And that's a big deal. So so that's our news right now here in Houston. Yeah. Oh man, great. Good to hear. Look who's back. Rick Collins. And and, and <laughs> you know, we've done the Austin and Houston the news. It's not work well. Austin. Yeah, uh, uh, Rick is there. Dustin, we've done it still work well. <laughs> yeah, right. So I don't know if he can even hear us now. So, oh, he gets in here and then it just freezes. Oh, can you hear us? He can't hear us. Hey, I'll tell you what. Sorry, guys, Grant, give me a minute. Grant, we're going to give him a minute. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to interview our guests and we'll come right back. Okay. <laughs> Good technology. Be right back. Thanks, Grant. Thanks, and we're back. Uh, we've had a great guest, but before I introduce him, I just wanted to say what a great MLR season we just went through. We saw an awesome draft with three rounds that we talked about, and it's it's incredible that finally Dallas is going to have a team. And uh, it's still not hey, done yet. Hey, no, no, it's <laughs> happening. And uh, speaking of Dallas, let's go ahead and introduce our guest today, and that's Michael Ingelbrick who, um, you know, I'm going to let you introduce all the things you've been a part of, but mainly um, with, you know, the U23, U20 programs, uh, coaching defense, uh, being a head coach and director of rugby at the Quins, and now back officially today announced as the Dallas Harlequins head coach. 
Yeah, thanks, Rick. Um, yeah, you got the, you got the scoop on that one. Um, yeah, I'm actually I'm actually pretty excited to be back with the Quins. I mean, I didn't actually sort of like ever leave. I just, um, you know, no longer was the head coach there once uh, once Super League for us uh, ended. Um, stuck around for a little while and then went off to uh, University of North Texas. Um, I live up towards the Denton area, so that just sort of became convenient at that point in time. But I'm always uh, uh, been a Quinn and will always be a Quinn. So I was always even then still very much supportive of, of what they were doing and trying to achieve um, and came in um, periodically um, as, I guess, a, a consultant, if you want to call it that, um, and worked primarily on things like defense, which, which has become my forte um, in most recent years. But yeah, it's been a, it's been quite a journey and uh, you don't get hair uh, my color if you haven't been around uh, for a long time. So <laughs> You mean, wait, um, hold on, you didn't get that off from Rick? <laughs> yeah, coaching Rick will actually add a few in there for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably the whole right uh, side. That's how I would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but no, I mean, uh, yeah, I've had actually a pretty interesting journey and a, and a most uh, rewarding journey. And you know, I think you guys, you know, Rick, uh, I don't know your your playing background, uh, but but Rick, I certainly know yours. And and if um, you know, when you get to that point of your rugby playing career, when that part's over, um, I really struggled for a couple of years once I retired at. Uh, adapt back, I guess, to normal life because I was, you know, so engaged and so involved in, in playing rugby and studying rugby and, and being a rugby player. Um, and then you retire and you go like, okay, well, what's next? Um, and thankfully for me, my son at that age uh, started to get interested in rugby. He was, I don't know, 13 years old or something um, at the time. And um, I took him out to practice and thought, hey, if he's going to learn this game, I'm going to get involved and help teach it. Um, and that's when I actually fell in love with coaching. Um, and I will I say to everybody, it is the absolute next best thing to playing. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I know I know not everybody is necessarily cut out to be a coach, but, uh, you know, find, find some way to give back. And initially, that's uh, what I was thinking was, you know, not only working with my kid, but finding some way to give back. And like I said, just fell in love with it and and got totally absorbed with it, like I tend to do with most things. Um, and uh, pretty soon we got some success with the Quinn Colts, which was where the the high school team that I coached at the time. Um, we went to nationals a, a number of times while I was coaching there, um, and got invited into a uh, USA U19 age grade camp, just as a sort of a uh, as an observer just to see what was going on and salty thompson i'm sure you guys have heard of salty oh, yeah. um who's, who's been very instrumental in in the development of many uh, rugby players uh, for many years here in the u.s um was the head coach and he invited me in and got me involved like right away um actually doing coaching things and before I knew it, I was actually a part of his coaching staff. And so from 2004, actually all the way through to this year where they've just announced the new uh, U20 staff, I've been engaged with um, USA Rugby at that age grade level um, in various capacities, various age groups, um, quite a significant uh, tenure, which I'm actually really proud of because um, obviously the, the goal there is to develop the next generation of, of Eagle. Um, but at the same time, you know, put values and, and, and live those values so that the players can actually become 
better people as well through the game of rugby. That's always been a goal and an objective of mine um, as a coach. So those are the rewarding things is when you see players that you've worked uh, with, uh, had a, a, some parts of their training has been uh, your involvement, become Eagles. Um, not everybody that we've coached obviously becomes eagle, uh, become Eagles, um, but just to see them succeed in life and get invited to uh, their weddings or being told that they've just had a kid or, you know, just stay in contact with these, with those different players, no matter where their rugby career lands them uh, has actually been some of the most rewarding parts of my entire coaching career. Um, still stay in contact with, with many people um, uh, in all facets of life. But yeah, I mean, there, there are obviously some, some uh, people that have achieved quite a few things in rugby that I'm proud to have had a part in their development for sure. Yeah. Who's, who's one of the, I guess I won't say surprising, but who's somebody that you kind of looked at when he was maybe when you were coaching, he was younger that kind of surprised you and became an Eagle, maybe like out of like, Oh, I didn't see that coming. Like he really worked hard and came and stepped up and and did something that you just didn't expect. Or, you know, some of the guys that you've coached that have gone on to be Eagles that you said, man, that you saw it at at a young age, like, yeah, they were going to be something special. Yeah. I don't know if I've actually been surprised. Um, because when you get around uh, these players at a age, I mean, you can tell the ones that have sort of uh, a, such a, a, an interest and a desire, mm-hmm. um, and you see them frequently enough, so so nothing really surprises you. And you know, one one of the things that I learned early on is is don't ever count a player out at those ages. You might find somebody when they're fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years old, and you're going, uh guy's probably not going to get it right and so you you know the 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 tendency is you don't invite him back to a camp right but the idea is you've got to keep tabs on that person because a year later they've put on 20 pounds or they've finally grown into their feet or whatever you know um and and so you can't ever write anybody off i mean and so that's why nothing really surprises me because i learned early on um don't underestimate uh, people uh, at all because they can achieve things that you may not necessarily see on the surface. So, so stick with it. Um, give them plenty of opportunities, especially at those ages, because um, they will come through and they will develop. And you know, the, the ones that that uh, have that stickability are the ones that move forward. I'll give you. I'll give you an example, right? Um, so Nate Ebner, you guys have all you guys all know Nate, mm-hmm. right? Uh, or of Nate. So Nate was in our programs early on, came in as a as a youngster, and you know Nate. Um, the way that I would have to evaluate Nate was always a good athlete, you know, um, and he always pushed himself relatively hard uh, in comparison to the other players. And you know, just because of that desire and work ethic, you go, okay, you know, good athlete, good work ethic, can achieve great things, right? Um, but it really was driven home to me when we were going, I want to say it might've been to like Belfast in like 2007. Um, and we had the players all on a, uh, a training program, but we were trying to measure their conditioning and their fitness and, and those sorts of things. Right. Yeah. And we would get the reports back. Oh, I can't, uh, you know, do my whatever, whatever, because it's, you know, snow outside and the roads are slippery and whatever, whatever, right. Whatever excuses people can come up with, they can find, right? Um, but Nate, being in Ohio, right, where it's got a fair bit of snow around in the winter months, he <laughs> sent back these phenomenal scores. And we're going like, okay, you know, how, how's this guy doing this when 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 these other players are in those same sort of areas are, are not? 
turns out he found himself a, uh, a parking garage, you know, multi-level parking garage, and he's doing his conditioning, running up and down the levels and running up and down the uh, the stairwells, doing all of his sprint work and stuff. So you know, when you when you hear those kinds of stories about a guy, okay, so he found a way to make mm-hmm. it work. You know, there's something special. You know, um, so those those are the kinds of of, of stories that. Um, make or break people, you know, because someone's prepared to do that extra uh, work, in this case, just actually finding another way to get in shape. Um, and uh, look what, where it's taken him, you know, that whole uh, mindset and approach to to uh, to his craft. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you, but um, I wanted to get more into like that, that pathway, right? You're talking about one pathway um, and we're seeing MLR, um, you know, um, uh, development programs maybe is another pathway. What do you think about all the pathways? Is there um, a, a perfect pathway or do you think, you know, there's a bunch of different pathways for different people? Uh, what do you think is the most effective thing right now for players who are coming up who want to, you know, play professional rugby, play for the national team? So I would say one size does not fit all. Right. Um, America is like a massive country, right? So um, the ability to, to be able to uncover talent in every nook and cranny is a very difficult task in, in a country of this size, right? So I think in my mind and what I've seen in the past that, that works are these multiple pathways, multiple opportunities and entry points into that supply chain. Right, um, if you will, um, you know uh, the USA U20 and and the USA national team pathway, for example, um, is one that I that I know uh, very well, and we've had tremendous success with that. Right, pretty much any test match, both 15s and sevens, the 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 the, the squads for those match day squads, we're at about 33 percent of players that have come through the age grade system. Mm. Right, that that makes the Eagle squads uh, 15s and 7s. Um, we've actually been higher at on, on at times, right? And in fact, I think we've got like 52% a couple of years back was was the highest, right? Um, but for the most part, we typically average around 33%, 35% of the players that have have gone through the age grade systems t- that have played on the, that go to the, make the national team. So that's that is a is a good stat. I don't know if you say rugby actually keeps that stat, but uh, I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, to show that it actually works, right? Um, but along the way, you've got other avenues that can get people into there. I, th- I think Major League Rugby right now, if we're talking about just the Eagles, um, is a fantastic avenue. Um, and, and I think more can be made even of that pathway. But you're starting to see Eagles going to Eagle camps and being selected for the Eagles that didn't come through those other pathways, but they landed up on a major league rugby team and now um, have caught uh, the national uh, selectors' eyes. Right. So I think that's a fantastic pathway, but I think that can also be uh, fleshed out a little bit. I think that's going to be in, in its sort of infancy. And what, what I'm sort of alluding to there is, um, I know they've got what do they call it? Um, they have a they have a plan, a development plan as part of the Major League Rugby. I just can't remember yeah. the term that they've got there, focused on age grade and stuff. And I think it's up to like maybe U23. I'd love, for example, that to be fleshed out. And the U23 things actually, as the USA U20s have played a couple of the U23 teams in preparation for different events. But um, uh, I would like to see something like the Six Nations U-20s, right? And the Six Nations mm-hmm. U-18s. Maybe if major, what if Major League Rugby decided to go in that direction, 
use those as like curtain raises to a home game, for example, that would be a great way to continually develop these players, but also have the national team interests in mind for those age grade levels and obviously the rewards uh, from beyond that. Um, so that, that might be nice, uh, you know, to see something like that. Um, in it's, a, in it's a, inter- oh, sorry. No, as I say, it's interesting you say that because, you know, when you, when, when you said 33%, you know, that would go on to play beat Eagle, I thought that was a low number. I thought, you know, in, in my mind, you, you go back to, and I know that obviously with the, the um, establishment of MLR, players from all over now get a chance to be exposed, right? There's yeah. there, previously the exposure was, you know, go back to playing super rugby or super league days. And I remember because yeah. I was working with Cincinnati and teams like that. So yeah. trying to get in and play in super league in there. But I think that that's one of those things that we talk about that's been a change and I, uh, you know, when you would think that from at least your standpoint of a, of a U23, U19 coach, that you would want that USA Eagle team to have, you know, close to 60, 70% to say, hey, they've come up through the pathway. We've seen that happen. And, you know, we now, they had that ability to play together longer, right? So if you like yeah. compare yeah. England or, you know, in Ireland or something like that, where, they've played together since they were, they were kids. So they know each other. And I think you see that in the way that the Eagles play now, it's just kind of a hodgepodge. And you know, yeah. I don't know what percentage now uh, of, of players that are on that, that are USA Eagles actually played U 23s or U 19s. I would probably say it's not very many. And I know that's also due in fact to be people from different countries that now become citizens and stuff like that, which is fine. I, you yeah. know, we, we're better for that. We're rugby's better for it. But I feel as though, you know, what you said, like with the MLR kind of playing that U 23s, that you, the, the, the Academy program, the Academy systems playing each other as curtain raisers is definitely right along that path. But yeah, I was kind of shocked yeah. about 33 being like, and that's good. And like, Wow, I, I want I'm seventy no, percent is what I'm shooting for. Yeah, so so no, I mean you know that's that's a good point that you make there, but I think you have to put that all in context, right? If you if you're yeah. sitting in South Africa or you're sitting in New Zealand or you're sitting in England, and you've got your national U20 team, uh, you expect the vast majority of those guys to become professional rugby players, right? Yeah. Whether they're playing, uh, you know, Super Rugby or whether they're playing, uh, you know, for their national teams. Um, we, because pro rugby has existed there, they've had those avenues, right? Yeah, up until most recent years, we've not had that yeah. in America. And so, you know, we get these, these uh, you know, 20-year-old players that have come perhaps through the, the national team age grade setup and they become U20s. They still have some serious decisions to make, right, yeah. until recent times, right? Well, do I need to actually go get a real job, <laughs> you know, um, right? Or am I going to be one of those guys that can actually now make a living playing rugby, right? That, that wasn't on offer before. So you think it just in context up until most recent times, the opportunity to become a professional was only offered to the very few people, right? Yeah. And, and the examples of that would be people like Titi Lamasatelli, yeah. right? Who as a young age grade um, player in the US, uh, went on a bunch of tours with us, got uh, um, actually scouted, if you will, by a number of clubs overseas. I actually spent uh, time with Salty and a couple of others visit, visiting um, with some of the premiership teams uh, that actually wanted to um, bring in uh, Titi. And, you know, Saracens were the ones that decided on it at the time. Um, and, you know, we'd met with them and, and we're all for that. But unless you're a Titi, unless you were, ne- uh, you know, kept at a young age like Titi was, those doors as a youngster 
yeah. uh, as a 20-year-old are not open to you very much. Now, hopefully with, with Major League Rugby, that is. I mean, you can see already on rosters, and this has been really since the inception of Major League Rugby, that there are a lot of ex-age grade players that are on those rosters. Yeah. And, and it's great to see that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's one of those things that when we look at it, you know, you, you said it right there, is that Major League Rugby those people who are who have been quote unquote drafted, you know, again, drafted or starting or have been just been signed to play in this next season, when they went to college, there was no major league rugby. Yeah. Right? Right. Like they, 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 like they they were just like, hey, I'm just gonna go play D one, D one A, D one, whatever, you know, in in CR. Yeah. Like there was no you know, oh, I guess it wasn't in CR at the time. It was, whatever, whatever. It <laughs> yeah, was. it wasn't in CR. Nosco macro or, or Nac whatever. Macro, it was. that's yeah. what it was. Anyway, but but that's one of those things. You look at the growth of of Major League Rugby as part of that catalyst, but it's still, uh, I, I would say that you're still finding those in club level rugby. You know, mm -hmm. for the Quins, for the Huns, Black, whoever. You know, yeah. obviously in Texas, we'll we'll talk about it. You know, <laughs> other states, forget them. We don't care. Um, sorry to everybody listening in New Mexico, uh, but but that's uh, Aardvarks, man. They they love us. They love <laughs> Albuquerque. Those guys yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but that's one of those things because because of the uh, the infancy of Major League Rugby and professional rugby in America, we are still. You know, we're still far behind and we're there's still going to be yeah. those that didn't have a chance there may be 24 year old a 25 year old who didn't get a chance to actually play uh to to be drafted if you will by, by major league rugby because it's only year two they now yeah. have to work with you know they have to go play with the quins and stand yeah. out and go to the academies and get recognized and so my question to yeah. you now then is as you come in and take over the quins um and that how do you work with the jackals or other major league rugby teams within the state of texas since there are three of them and i will give you credit <laughs> that the jackals are better now than they were at, at this time last year this time last year in our first episode ever we were very ex rick was very excited for the jackals and then we all know what happened but you know so how do you you know, coming into to the program, how do you work with those guys who are maybe 25, 26 who are, or, you know, or older? Uh, sorry, Rick, not that old. Um, <laughs> Don't remind me that I'm turning 40 this year. Um, I am, I am months, months behind you, brother, months behind you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so but how do you, how do you kind of work with those organizations and what do you want to see out of the Jackals yeah. to help promote that? Because that's, that's the next phase. That's the, that's that intermediary phase, right? Mm -hmm. Those, it's those who it's those yeah. guys who are who are past the, the college age who have been playing club level who want to now go play in the MLR. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question. And, and, you know, for me, it's actually a pretty straightforward, simple answer, right? Um, my role as a coach is to get the absolute best out of a player. And um, in so doing, hopefully, um, allow him to fulfill his aspirations, right? Yeah. So you, you might even be a 34-year-old thinking that you might have an opportunity at a major league. 39? Rugby. Yeah, I'll try and make it happen. Wapa, Wapa did it. Wapa did it. He can do it. We, I mean, come on, He's man. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you know, you know, you can't, you know, um, I may even think that that 38 year old or whatever, um, you know, 34 year old is, is, is potentially not going to make it right. But I'm going to give him every opportunity because he needs to realize himself where he stands. 
right? Um, and you know what? There are so many people, like we talked about earlier on, that just totally surprise you. So yeah. you know, why should I be the one, you know, dashing anybody's dreams? It's just not my role, yeah. you know, or my place. So no, anybody I'm going to actually develop and try and try and have them fulfill not only their potential, but their aspirations as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so to add on to that, um, last year we saw Jackals players playing with the Quins, playing with the Reds. Um, what's the expectation about how that'll work going forward? Yeah, I don't really know the the inner details and stuff. All I know is that that there is this arrangement um, that um, these uh, partner clubs have with the likes of the Jackals, where um, there is um, some monitoring and communication of certain players that they are interested in in let's say our player base, and should they require them at Jackals practices or depth on a roster or whatever that that we would release them to go and have that experience and see if they can actually make, you know, uh, a name for themselves there and, and, and reach those goals. Vice versa, if the, if the Jackals have players that are, I don't want to use the word surplus, but maybe they're coming back from injury and they need to um, use, you know, maybe some D1 games and practices as a mechanism to help that happen uh, or maybe it's a particular skill set that they need to work on and come to us and, and communicate to us that they want to develop further with that player um, I think there's going to be that up and down uh, relationship I, I don't know what sort of quantity that might look like you know uh, we've not really had that happen before uh, so I think there's a mm. lot so that we have to sort of uh, uh, explore as, as it moves forward but um, I do I do know from what I've seen in the communication and, and talking to the Quinn leadership about this is that uh, there's definitely an open mind from both the Jackals and the Quins, and I would suspect because uh, you know the the Dallas Reds are another partner in that too, um, that they also have um, that open mind as well. Because I think it's mutually beneficial. Mm. I mean, I think that's that's the main thing about it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we beneficial. I'm not just. Yeah, I wasn't just we, talking mutually beneficial to the Jackals or the Quins, but the player as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, that's the main thing all of this. And I think one of the things we've talked about in the past, Molly, on the show was how uh, programs like that, that that work with the local clubs are going to be mutually beneficial also for the clubs to be able to, let's say there's a kid in Oklahoma City, there's no pro team yeah. there. He wants to go play professional rugby, but he's he didn't get drafted. He's whatever. He comes down, plays for the Quins or the Reds, and that gives him a good opportunity to at least get seen by a Jackals coach. Um, and that may be the best opportunity to make a team. And so that opportunity might be there for them where, um, you know, getting on with the Jackals might otherwise not be available. Yeah, yeah no, that's exactly right. And, and, I, and I think there's some, you know, other layers in here that are sort of like s some of the levels of detail that that I think um, we can provide, and and I and I'm sure that uh, the other partner clubs uh, will do the same thing. So, and I, and I've seen this at the age grade level, right? We can bring a player into like a U20 camp, and they come out of a of, out of a very good college program, let's say, and they come to a U20 camp. They're probably just a freshman or or a a sophomore, perhaps at college, right? Um, but they come in, and for the first like four days, it's like eyes wide open because they've not experienced the structure of what a U20 camp or even a Junior World Cup or a Junior World Trophy um, four-week tour looks like, right? Yeah. Um, when, you, when you're talking about the video analysis and the skill development and the team meetings and the, I mean, it, it just goes on and on and on, right? Uh, the publicity events, the whatever is going on in those types of things, right? So hopefully with the Quins and, and the other partner uh, teams that are, that are involved in this, we can actually provide another step in their sort of professional experience yeah. 
right? By things like, you know, for example, um, you know, periodization, right? You're going to be with us for a year. Here's what a period, what our calendar looks like. You know, these are the things we're doing from an SNC perspective. These are the things we're doing from a from a skill development perspective, a match development. You know, all the processes put those in place. Video analysis, the cognitive part of things as well. You know, sharing things over over different media so that people can actually see pictures, understand things, so that when they're ready to train, they actually already have this bank of information to draw from. So you know and when you get into if you if you've never been in a pro uh, situation you're going to be going in like those u20 players that i just mentioned eyes wide open deer in headlights yeah you may not be very effective for a while you know so hopefully we can bridge that gap as well no that's awesome but i think that you know what that is I, i see kind of as you've been talking like where you want to take or they said where i think you're taking you know, the, the Quins, but my, my, my final question to you from, from me and Rick, you may have another one too, but my final question for me is, you know, where do you see your involvement in the growth of, of rugby in Texas, you know, fitting right now? You know, obviously we have major league rugby, the growth of the sport is, I'd like to think that we're, we're expanding exponentially. And I see more and more people, you know, uh, posting about rugby, talking about rugby, more fans online. Where do you fit into that? You know, the growth for the Quins, you know, let's say one year, three years down the road, uh, because five years, who knows what happens in five years anymore? Uh, (laughs) Who knows what happens in one year? I mean, (laughs) geez, Uh, especially at this podcast. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, so where do you where do you see that path going? What do you where's your involvement? What do you think that you're going to be doing? And where would you like to see the Quins, you know, know, August 24th, you know, 2022? Where where do you want to see see yourself in, in Dallas? So again, that's a that's a really easy question for me, right? Um, and that is um, good. I, I like to do... throw up softballs for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, no, but I don't no, ask any I, tough questions. You know, and, and, but again, it's my it's been my whole approach as as a as a rugby coach, right? Is I will go wherever needed. You know, yeah. um, I've I've coached um, in some of the most atrocious places and conditions in the world to people that don't even know the game. I've, I've you know. And, and I've thoroughly enjoyed that and, and, and think I've made a difference, you know, to those people, um, not only as rugby players, but as people, you know. Um, I've, I've worked with uh, uh, the U19 women before, um, the Quinn women. Uh, um, some of the best experiences of my life is, is, is coaching the ladies. Um, so, yeah, I, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm packed. I'm ready to roll. You know, wherever I'm needed. Um, I've, you know, I love I love working with youth and youth development. That's been uh, my forte over the last. Uh, you know, obviously since 2004, I guess. Love love that development aspect of things. Um, but again, I also love the high performance side of things. Yeah. Um, and so wherever I can make a difference, I'm prepared to do that. Um, in with uh, applicable to the Quins, um, I don't see myself going anywhere. I mean, I, I started with the Quins back in 19, 1987 as a player uh, before any of you guys were probably even born. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Might have still be in uh, diapers. It was close. Yeah, at that point. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, um, and, and I just want to make sure that, that I can build a culture with the club where players choose to be, you know, um, and want to be. And um, it's a great experience for them. And, you know, um, while I'm in this for players having fun, I'm also in this for um, people developing, 
right? Um, that's why we're in, a, in in the club. We have aspirations, um, and people have different aspirations. And and yeah, we can cater for for those. But at the end of the day, it's all about getting better, right? We want to get better as players. We want to get better as people. We want to get better as a team. We want to get better as a club. Um, and uh, you know, people talk about like wins and losses and results. I'm not necessarily focused so much on that. I'm actually, I'm focused on performance, right? If we put the right processes in place, we develop the players appropriately, the club buys in as well, right? And we all have the shared mental model of, of what a club looks like. We have the shared mental model of how we're going to play the game. We, we you know, walk towards, um, you know, that vision. Um, at the end of the day, we'll, we'll be successful and it will be sustained success. It's, I'm not looking for anything that's flash, fly by night. You know, one season we do extremely well and next season we drop off the edge of the world, right? Uh, for me, that's that's not a... A uh, the definition of success. Yeah, and um, I mean, I know personally that um, when I got out of college, um, I had never gone a semester of my life without playing a sport, right? And it took me three years to find rugby, and then you know have Coach Moley out there coaching me every you know two or three days a week, and uh, it wasn't easy. Uh, but, uh, th- that must've been what I liked. I like getting beat up cause I played football and basketball, uh, through college and, uh, fell in love with the sport and I would not be here. I would not be at SMU coaching if it wasn't for this man right here that we're interviewing. So, uh, Thanks, thank Richard. you so much for that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I love it. You know, and, and uh, for me, it's, it's all, it's all about the players, man. If, if we, as coaches or administrators or as referees or as whatever, don't have the players at the center of whatever, whatever we do, we've, we've lost the plot. So uh, no, I'd like to hear that from people like you. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks. And, uh, you know, great interview today. Um, we're going to be coming back after the break to finish up. It's been one year since this podcast began and it's been a wild one. People still listen. I can, awesome. During the pan, a pandemic, we started a podcast and completed a year during the pandemic. I know it's uh, feels it's like we're still at the same spot so we were in the pandemic, though. When, <laughs> it's so difficult when we're virtual on here. Well, <laughs> we're we're also all you know not Grant's not in this interview, but we're also three hours from each other, so it's, it's, true. <laughs> yeah. it's a little bit further than normal. But sounds good, man. We'll we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Yep, for sure. Thank you, Molly. Appreciate it. Bye. Welcome back after that break. Uh, a great interview. I think the Jackals with the new coaching staff with new coaching staff is going to be, it, it'll be good for them. I'm glad, glad that, glad that things are turning out. Jackals, excuse me, uh, Harlequins. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's right. The Jackals don't have a coach yet. Uh, while you're back, you may realize that Rick Collins is still frozen. We're still trying to figure that out. Uh, so while he's frozen, uh, Grant and I are going to kind of wrap things up, but in a bittersweet way as um yeah so it's been one year grant where we all we yep. at the beginning we've all kind of done a lot of stuff here we've we've worked through a lot of different games rick collins has now left the broadcast and hopefully he'll come right back um but 
you know, we'll, we'll keep him on here in, in memoriam, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> keeps, his phone keeps overheating is what he says. So, uh, But we, we are glad that, uh, that, <laughs> that he was able to join us very partially and for like two minutes. And we'll, he was here for the interview, so that's good. But uh, the bittersweet part of things are um, after this past year and the things going on in both Grant's life and in my life, um, Grant and I uh, will both be departing Texas Rugby Monthly after this episode. Uh, we'll, they'll do a one-month hiatus. You'll still be able to get the podcast in the same channel and all that other good stuff. Uh, but Grant, Grant, you can tell him why, and I can tell people why I'm not coming back if you want to do that, but it's entirely up to you, man. It's- <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just taking a, uh, as manager of HTX, and with HTX becoming more integrated with the Sabercats, I'm taking on a little bit of a... Uh, a, a more of an inside role, right? Yeah. Than I was before. Yeah. You know, we were we were kind of hard barrier between HTX and the Cats before, and that barrier is gone now. Yeah. And uh, so I'll have a lot more insight into the Cats, and it's really not fair. Yeah. For me to be, you know, part of that system and then be on a podcast talking about them. Yeah. So yeah, and then <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff on my table and on my plate and it's just going to be hard to do a, another podca- podcast once a month. I'm sure hey. I'm going to get hit up to do, you know, one-off podcasts here and there. Yeah, and that's, that's great. That's but fine. That's it. But that's an interview and, you know, and that usually takes about 30 minutes and then we you move on. Yeah. But you, a- you've got a much different, uh, Yes, uh, thing going on. Um, and, and they'll find out on the next episode of the Austin Rugby Podcast as well, too. Um, but I am actually stepping down from both podcasts um, for life reasons, uh, as in I am moving out of the state of Texas after six, seven years or so of being here. Uh, I now am headed to the back to be closer to family. Um, a very tough decision. And to leave the podcast, everybody's like, well, you can still do the Austin Rugby podcast, just remote. And I said, eh, I could. It's just really hard. You know, I we've done a lot of stuff with, with the AGs and being here, but you need somebody that's on boots on the ground, basically. You got to have somebody. Yeah. So I, I have I have a couple of people lined up um, for both. <laughs> Uh, both the uh to take my spot on this and and rick found out today however he couldn't react to this uh in real time uh we kind of dropped it on him at the same time so he was shocked <laughs> but I, I think really what we've done here with texas rugby month is is something great and you know people can step in and i think that's what that's kind of the point is you know we may be the first ones to do it rick can come back and continue to work on it and i think he wants to but i think there are other people in austin in houston hey you know there's there's uh there's scrummed up those guys uh, are in i want to say those they're they're a&m guys that are doing a, a rugby podcast here in texas so yeah i think there's opportunity are for others to step into our spot, you know, you won't miss, you won't miss us as much. <laughs> no, but yeah. So, no. uh, no well, but, but you'll, you'll still see me around. Don't, oh don't yeah. Yeah. I, I, I will be on the periphery watching in, listening in every week, uh, every week to the Austin rugby podcast as, as we have people who potentially will take that over. Um, and I hope they continue it. Uh, it's, it's been, it was a pleasure to do it for, for four seasons. Um, been a pleasure to do this for a year. It's been fun. 
had a, had a hell of a time. We've had a whole lot of laughs. Uh, we do record things that we don't put online, and it's probably for the best in most cases. <laughs> right? Who knows? Maybe we'll, maybe we'll throw some of those on there. But um, but yeah, for all of you that listen, for all of you that watch, we do greatly appreciate it. Um, you know, I know Rick is Rick is sad that we're both leaving. He's also a little pissed that we're both leaving. Yeah, um, <laughs> that we dropped it on him. Like we that. dropped it on him <laughs> like that. Uh, he knew. Um, but I think, you know, it'll probably be about a month off because not a lot happens in the month of September in rugby and, you know, around, around the, the country. Silly really. season. It's a, it's, there's nothing going on. We, we, yeah. we were excited and we kind of realized that as we got to the end of MLR, we're like, Oh God, September, there's going to be shit going on. So, um, but overall I'm, I'm really, I've been, I've had a great time. Grant, I know that we, we've had some great laughs and some good times yes, and, uh, uh, you know, it's not like we won't ever talk again and we shoot the shit on different platforms and we'll talk about rugby. Yep. But uh, for all of you that listen, for all of you that watch, for Rick Collins up in Dallas, for Grant Cole over in Houston, I'm Dustin Zare in Austin saying thank you all so very much. It's been a pleasure. We wish you all the best. And until next time, we'll see you on the pitch.